All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to another episode on the Fiddle Picks YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, September 21st. And like I said, on today's show, we are breaking down the entire week three DFS slate. We're giving out some player props for tonight and the weekend. We're going to be talking about who we're targeting for tournaments, for GPPs, for cash game contests, basically giving you the advice on how you win the million dollar tournament this weekend. Joining me was a very frequent guest on my last show. He has transitioned with me over to the new platform. His name is Alex Cohen. His initials are AC, but the truth is this man always brings the heat. So, Alex, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. Excited for the new chapter. First time live. Let's get it. Congratulations, yeah, man. Was- this is going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I was excited for everyone to finally see your beautiful face because normally we're on a Zoom and recording offline and then posting that as a podcast. But now we get to be on YouTube for the audience and get to answer some questions live as we go through this show. Before we get started, I do want to quickly remind everyone where they could find all of my content. Of course, you could follow me on Twitter, x.com, at FiddlesPicks. You could sign up for my newsletter, the FiddlesPicks.substack.com. I send out best bets with detailed write-ups. Nice graphics. It's a really high-level gambling newsletter, completely free. And, of course, you could rate, subscribe, comment on the YouTube channel. I will have a new podcast platform very soon. Things are pending. I submitted an episode for Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts and all those platforms. And, Alex, the truth is, on that episode, I talked about this week's DFS slate, but since we're still pending the approval process, I know no one else has heard it besides myself in the editing process. And we could talk about all that stuff again today. It'll be the first time everyone's hearing my opinions on it. So the basic structure of what we're doing and the plat- the like the uh, template that I gave you was to come up with a high value, mid-tier, high spend, mid-tier, and a value option at pretty much every position on the board. And then as we go through those names, we'll highlight a few more that we want to talk about. And then we'll kind of contextualize them into who you could play together, which stacks you would kind of target. Is this a better option for a tournament? Is this a better option for a cash game contest? And all those things. And of course, if any of the listeners have questions or want us to talk about a guy that maybe we didn't get to, but you have a question on or opinion on, throw that name in the comments and you will get our reaction. So let's start off with the quarterback position. Let's just jump right into it. It is a week where we see pretty good matchups and the big names on the board. Mahomes playing versus the Chicago Bears, uh, ranks 27th against the quarterback on defense. I personally love Mahomes this week as a spend-up option. I always said on my old show, knick-knack, patty-whack, give me Patrick Mahomes. And I think I'm right back to that well this week. We also have Josh Allen, playing on the road at the Commanders. He's a, he's a decent option. I'd like to get your reaction on that, Alex. Do you like any of the Lamars? Has Tua finally entered the platform where he should be in this high, high spend quarterback option? Is Justin Herbert really the man to target because of the matchup situation going against the Vikings, playing in the Dome, and having the over-under for that game be a staggering 54 or 54 and a half at some books? Also being sharped towards the over, that line opened at 50 and climbed all the way up four and a half points. There's expected to be a shootout in the Herbert game, but I think Eileen Mahomes, especially in a cash game contest, I'll be taking big patty. I mean, look, like you said, Mahomes, you really can't go wrong, uh, especially again in Chicago. It's in KC, thankfully it's not in the Windy City. So, you know, again, I would check weather, make sure that everything's good there. Um, if you're going to place it right before kickoff and stuff like that. But, you know, Josh Allen, Mahomes, you're, you're never going to get an argue with me for there. I've spent for them in auctions and in the last two years, multiple, for the last multiple years, a lot of money in an auction draft for fantasy uh, before the season. So look, those, those are the two studs of the league. And, and if you're going to, if you're going to be able to save elsewhere, Hey, can't go wrong with those guys. Was Mahomes the guy that you said was going to be your spend up option? Um, so not Mahomes was going to be my spend up option. Um, but we'll get to that later. Let's get to it right now. Unless you want to give me feedback on Justin Fields, uh, 
So if you were going to go Mahomes, do you just go Fields on the other side, save a thousand two hundred, get someone who might be on the losing side of a passing game script where you know he's also the focal point of the running game for that team? Could this be the buy low Fields moment where he's been a little bit over seven five pretty much every week, and now he's at around that seven thousand dollar mark? That, that's not really the guy either. And again, the buy up was in the wide receiver, but we'll get there. Um, but look, I also think that there's a ton of value in guys that were ranked in the preseason to be productive fantasy players that have not had the start of, a, of a, the first two weeks that what people thought was coming, right? So you can get Fields low right now, and he could have a 125-yard rushing game with 200 yards passing and three touchdowns like it was no problem. You never know when he's going to be able to do that. So, you know, if you're going to buy a guy like Fields and you think that he has a possibility to do that, then, hey, go jump on him. But if you want me to jump into the guys that I wanted, and this will be somewhat of a theme of the guys that I talk about throughout the episode, is that Chargers-Vikings game. I just think that that is screams offense. Like you said, the Sharps were all over it to start. You know, 53 and a half that I was looking at right now, it's it's such a big number. I probably would steer clear of that. One, Are that you high? playing Kirk Cousins? So Kirk... And Herbert, I think that those guys have great value and high and high uh, and high um, expectations this week. I know it's kind of the sucker play because it's so obvious, but sometimes the obvious is the obvious, and it comes to fruition. But hey, you know, look, we just basically named the top four guys on the board as our favorites for quarterback. But at the end of the day, you know, quarterback is a position where if you're going to risk a low number you could get burned very easily. So sometimes it's worth it to pay for that kind of solid return, in my opinion, and know that you're going to have that baseline of 25 with hopefully the upside of a 40 or 50 pointer and uh, go from there. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? I always lean spend up quarterback, especially this is when we start talking about which type of tournament you're in and what kind of contest you're entered in. If you're entered in a cash game contest where you simply need to be at the 50% and above average mark to double your money, and it doesn't matter if you're coming in first or if you're coming in 50th percent, and if we're talking percentiles, you just need to not come bottom 50 and below average, then you should always tend for a high spend quarterback option because they are the safest and they do have the ability to break the slates. We've seen in the last few years, Alex, this is an interesting stat that I always use for fantasy and quarterbacks. Uh, the top quarterback, the QB one averages like 10 more points in a given week than the QB 12. And so that's a bigger difference between top of the end and bottom of the end than we see at any other position. And that's going between RB1 and RB24, wide receiver one and wide receiver 36, because you're playing multiple for in a standard format, even though you're playing quarterback, we call it a one Z position where you only can only play one person. It's not a super flex type of contest in these DFS tournaments, unless you're playing a showdown slate, you can, you want to go for that high achieving quarterback. To me this week, it's as clear as day in a cash game. It's Patrick Mahomes, like simple plug them in. Don't worry about it. I think if you're going tournaments, that's when you go for the stack. I think if you wanted to play into that really high shootout and go away from Mahomes, the only other options you can consider are Kirk and Herbert. But let's talk about if you're playing in a Millie Maker type tournament, where now if you end up nailing the guy who was Daniel Jones last week, where he was a low spend option, ends up being the quarterback one on the slate, right? So who might be that guy this week? Who's a low spend option that actually might be worth targeting in your opinion. Yeah. I mean, look, and I, and I agree with everything you just said, right. About spending on quarterback, like we just spoke about, but if you're going to, you know, not want to spend that extra like $2,000 for a guy two two guys that are very similar in price, I think one is seven, 7,300, is, is Gino and Jordan love. Uh, they have decent matchups against defenses. Uh, they've, they've scored well considerably. Gino didn't do so well in the first game, but scored well last week, and he's got so many weapons. Um, you know, Green Bay is playing New Orleans. Gino is playing Carolina, who's just not in the right place right now, and they're going to give up points because they're going to keep giving the ball back, et cetera. So, you know, those are the guys that I would see in matchups uh, if I had to go a little bit lower. Would you angle for a potential Dorian Thompson Robinson if Watson's out? Like we saw Watson 
push the ref? Are we still waiting on discipline potentially for Watson coming on that without Chubb? If someone like DTR was in the lineup, we know Tennessee has an amazing run. D, you're just shaking your head. No, are we just here? No, clear? I'm, I'm not shaking my head. No, I'm shaking my head. Like that is that is a hundred percent a strategy to go for, right? Like if yeah. you were, especially if you're putting out multiple lineups, like you're not right. don't, don't ride the same guys. Have different strategies. You know, make sure that you're putting in guys that you know you like, but. Listen, if you think DTR is going to pop off this week and it's completely in the realm of possibility, similar to what I just said with Justin Fields because of the mobility aspect and right. the rushing touchdown you know, potential, you know, yep. if you want to make a line where you get DTR for super cheap and then you spend high on guys that you know or hope to know are going to be very successful on a baseline with that pop-off potential too, that is a completely kosher strategy to go for. <laughs> one more, one more name to throw in here before we move over to the running back. Anthony Richardson potentially coming off the concussion. We'll see if he ends up playing. He's going to be a guy who is just so low owned because he's not that inexpensive. He's 6,700. Like he is right around the same price as Kirk Cousins for $200 going at home in the dome against the Chargers in a perfect game script. Uh, Richardson is on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. That's kind of a daunting situation to walk into and he's going to be coming off a situation where he's not probably practicing and everyone who's watching that game or projecting forward for that game is going to say oh if he's coming off a concussion he's going to run less at the end of the day he's gotten three rushing touchdowns in a game and a quarter of playing football so his pop-off ability while also being so low owned means like you can throw him in one of your entry lineups in a tournament and have a real chance of bringing home some Big cheddar. Let's move over to the running backs, uh, Alex. Eckler looks like he's on the wrong side of questionable, still yet to practice this week, so we'll skip him. You can't really spend up on a guy who's returning from injury, still dealing with injury, probably going to be on somewhat of a snap count, even though that's a dream game situation. Maybe we'll get into the Josh Kelly value aspect of it in a little bit. Tony Pollard is someone I freaking love this week. Going against the Chattanooga Community College, also known as the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Pollard's probably going to get tons of passing work and tons of ground game work. He's gotten in the end zone multiple games. Even in the second game, he didn't score a touchdown, but he got in the end zone with a two-point conversion. Uh, His workload is very, very safe. And this game is looking like it's actually an over spot. So that's kind of something that I want to point out. It looks like this is a good spot to target for points being scored. I'm on the over 43 on this game. You could potentially even find some 42 and a halfs on the board, but there's 43 and a halfs on the board. That's smart people that I know are on. If this game is going to put up a lot of points, it's probably going to be Dallas scoring them with a big lead, right? They're 12 and a half point favorites. And then you'd want to take the running back who's going to handle 25 touches and is a projected one minus 160 to score a touchdown this week. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, you can't really argue with that, right? Like, that, that is, uh, especially with Trayvon going down, if you're liking the over, like you saw what obviously right. happened, unfortunately, to uh, Trayvon Diggs. Sorry, any Cowboys fans out there. I'm a Jets fan. You know, I don't wish injury on anybody, uh, especially if it happened. You're wearing us. a 12, even though it's a Namath jersey, you're yeah, wearing a 12 is, Jets jersey no, right now and speaking on an injury. Yes. Alex, so, what about what about some of the other high spin running backs? Obviously, Chubb fits that injured description that we're so sad about. Bijan Robinson in uh, Detroit. Is that a name that you want to yeah, talk about? That, that's my guy. Uh, that's right. my guy this week. And I know it's pretty obvious, right? Um, what do you have? 20 carries first week and I think 19 last week. But not, or 19, Maybe it was opposite, but went off for 124 last week. Lions defense is obviously their weakness. I, I have issues with potentially Falcons being able to consistently get into the red zone, which is why I kind of stayed away from Bijan preseason. Um, but you can't really deny that they have a solid defense and they have a really solid run game. And he's gotten into the end zone now, and the Lions have obviously proven that they give up points. Um, oh, and you know that when they get into the red zone, you know, it's run. You know, is there a chance of Ritter taking a, 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 a you know, an, an option and, and getting poached or a huge play action and getting someone sneaked out in the flat for a Pitts touchdown? 100%. But, you know, when it comes to nuts and bolts of the game, I think that they'll, if they get down there, they'll lean on Bijan, and, and that's, you know, their mentality. And I could see him getting one or two this week. And and obviously, you know, the yards against the Lions defense also accumulating. So, yeah, you know, that was the guy I was looking at. 
I agree with everything you said, except for the Pitts touchdown part. Pitts doesn't score touchdowns. Yeah, I'm dealing with this. I'm strong. That strong you know, I threw that in there. You know, I threw that in there because uh, you, you drafted him. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. um, what about some other running backs? Is this the week that we target Jameer Gibbs now that Montgomery's out? Are we worried about Craig Reynolds? Do we go with James Cook coming off like a over a hundred yard performance? A lot of the optimizers are plugging in Raheem Mostert as a must start. So is he at home for the first game of like the home opener for the Dolphins, even though they're 2-0? and Denver 0-2 and first game on the road, six and a half point favorites for the Dolphins. If they're going to be in control of this game against a weaker team, I kind of think it's a tra- trap game for the Dolphins. I talked about that on the Tuesday show in quite depth. Uh, Raheem Mostert is definitely being played by a lot of optimizers. Brian Robinson Jr. is coming in as like one of the top five running backs on the season. That's pretty wild. A.J. Dillon is always an option, especially if Aaron Jones is still hurt. We'd have to get a quick update on that. Um, Zach Moss off a dominant week for the he when he was paired with Minshew, Alex, he was great for the Colts. Of course, now he's going against the Ravens in Baltimore. We'll have to see. Josh Kelly, we talked about him with the aforementioned uh, Austin Eckler. If Austin Eckler's out, you're in that game against the Vikings. I think Kelly, especially in a cash game contest, instant play. He's going to be chalk. Everyone's going to play him, and that includes you. Am I right on that? No, you're actually absolutely wrong. And all those wrong. players, though, all those players, though, I, I I I love your reasoning, and I, and I do like them, and they're all kind of options. But I'm going with a different guy. This week, and it's Gus the bus. You know, okay. When Gus Edwards is healthy and playing and in the red zone, and you know, this is this might be speculation. This isn't fact, right? But I think the Ravens have been burned by Lamar getting banged up in the red zone and and on too many runs over the last few years. And in this early in the season, it's probably best to try to keep them upright. And they have an absolute tank in the red zone in Gus Edwards with Dobbins out. He is going to be the guy that's getting the ball every single carry within 10 yards. And the Ravens' offense is great, and they're not going against a great defense. And I don't think that they have the explosive plays in them that, you know, maybe we thought they would have with Odell and Zay. They're still a very run-heavy offense. If they get down within that 10, I see Gus punching it in for a couple touchdowns. And the price you can get him at, if he gets you 40 yards and two touchdowns, think that might be worth it and I think he has the best red zone opportunities this week at a lot of the backs I see but Joshua Kelly very interesting play but again just like you said it might be kind of a canceled out because it's uh whatever but if you're in a cash contest right you just want to be canceled out in that spot you can you can okay yourself there and let other people make mistakes around you so I think that's a great point to make for a cash contest if Josh Kelly's the starter play him like just Make it the most easy decision in the world. I know he's not coming off a great week. He's still going to be 84% owned. And you want the 16% of people who didn't play him to simply just be dropped out of the tournament if he has a good game. And if he doesn't have a good game, he still has such a high ownership that you're not really as adversely affected. So those that's one of those situations where you call it where you say you play into the chalk. I will say one last thing about Josh Kelly. Like I think yep. that sometimes we underestimate how good Eckler is at finding space in the short pass game and after the catch that I wouldn't just immediately say, hey, Josh Kelly is going to pick up Eckler's production. You know, no, he's not. That's the only thing that scares me. Can he get into the end zone twice? Yes, but also remember that they have three great wet red zone targets for, for Herbert and they're going to put the, the ball in their $200 million quarterback's hand. So – you know, that's the only thing that keeps you nervous with Josh Kelly, but could he easily have a big day? 100%. He's a great player. Yep. All right. Let's go to the bottom tier running backs. I have three names that I want to throw at you, and I want you to tell me which one you prefer of these three, because these are the guys that are like filling in potential starter roles for their teams. I see Tony Jones Jr. for the New Orleans Saints. We're going to see if he's picking up the full role or if Kendra Miller, that could be another name that you talk about. Um, who are the other two that I was looking at? It was uh, Jerome Ford for the filling in for uh, my guy, Nick Chubb. Sadly, I lost him and Craig Reynolds filling in for Montgomery. I know we spoke about Jameer Gibbs at the top, but of those names, Tony Jones, Jr. Jerome Ford, 
Craig Reynolds. I think, I think, Who, you who's your pick? I think it's absolutely Jerome Ford. And like, okay. You know, you called like you called lightning in a bottle last week, potentially, right? Like maybe he is not that guy, but I actually was watching him throughout preseason, and he's an explosive and great running back. And that that offensive line um, can make push. And I don't think Hunt is going to be in the mix this week. Uh, shout out Kyle Schaub for outbidding me for Kareem Hunt because I think he's going to be great later in the season. But um, no, Jerome Ford, I think, is going to have another huge workload this week. And uh, you know, Cleveland loves to run the ball, so. They need to run the ball to set up the pass the way Watson's playing. So I would roll out four out of those three, a hundred percent. I agree. I think if I'm playing in a cash contest, you just eat the chalk and take the value of both Jerome Ford and Joshua Kelly, which then leaves you with the ability to spend big at wide receiver. And for me, I think this one is the most obvious thing on the board. So I'm going to let you talk about top end wide receivers first, and let's see if you it's, it's as clear as day to you, too. Yeah, no, I think it is. And this is a guy I drafted number one overall in my uh, in my um, non-auction league, in my, in my snake league. It's Justin Jefferson. It's it's due time. And, again, it's going back to yep. like a, a theme of – Yup, it's JJ. <laughs> there you go. It couldn't be more obvious. Wait, was that the guy that you were also going to of allude course. to? Of oh, okay. course. Got it. All right. So, yeah, we're on the same page there. Listen – week one's a liar. Week two is sometimes a liar. Like you can't just give up on this guy. He's due for touchdowns. And due is like a really weird word because like you never really know, like do is it's not really a science, but do is stats. And this is a game that I foresee. And I think most people foresee, like you said, the sharps that have got it up to 53.5. going to be a high scoring game. And a lot of the criticism around the Vikings has been that they haven't targeted JJ in the red zone or late in game. And, you know, they need to stop trying to be cute and just throw it to their, you know, number one wide receiver in the world. You know, if you've been sticking with him and he screwed you over the last couple of weeks, I get the hesitation. But at the same time, I would triple down. I would say, hey, this is going to be the week. I think it's a high scoring game and they're going to get him the ball. And I don't know what your reasoning was, Mike, but, you know, that's how I see it. What do you think? No questions asked. Game script. The Vikings have seven turnovers this season on the season through two games. That's an anomaly. They're at they're at their home field where Kirk Cousins plays much better in a dome and at home uh, and not in prime time. We know this is in the normal classic slate, so it's not a prime time game. The Vikings have the second strongest home field advantage if we're talking performance against the spread over the last ten years. And we can let you guess who has the first one. It's probably pretty obvious. But no, it's not. Are you saying it's the Jets? Are you doing? No, that was school. I was doing the school. That home. Oh, okay, school. okay, okay, okay. Well, the, the the number one in this department is the Seattle Seahawks with the twelfth man. But number two in this department is the Minnesota Vikings with a dominant home field advantage. We're also seeing the Vikings as the clear sharp side for this game. It has been bouncing all around, but this line opened at Vikings plus one or plus one and a half as home underdogs. They are now out to minus one, minus one and a half at every book. It has been flipping back and forth. But if you check the splits and look at the current situation, it shows you that the Vikings are the sharp side, which just leads you to say Justin Jefferson is going to have himself a day. But what other wide receiver should we be targeting? We still kind of have some money left over to spend, right? We still kind of got wiggle room here. If we are going Jerome Ford, if we're going Josh Kelly, if we're potentially even going a Mostert because he's also seems to be a chalk running back this week. Uh, I'm kind of looking down the board. I'm going to skip Diggs this week because he's on the road at Washington, a team that runs a lot. Uh, I love Keenan Allen in the reverse stack. I kind of think if you're at a GPP, you, that's the obvious decision. You play into this game being an absolute shootout. One of the highest stack ratios you can get in DFS that you cannot replicate this to season long. So that's why a lot of season long analysts and people don't talk about this. But the number one correlation fantasy stack is wide receiver with opponent wide receiver. So we often go with the quarterback wide receiver stack because you can get one guy throwing your other guy a touchdown. The truth is the highest correlation is wide receiver, opponent wide receiver. So if you're going to go Justin Jefferson, then I think go with Keenan Allen or a Mike Williams or a 
taken a shot on a Quinton Johnson as a lower tier option, those become very valuable in a GPP tournament. What other wide receivers are you looking at, Alex? No, I love that. And uh, you're spot on there. But I got a guy that I've been really keen on since last year. And um, I knew when he got a new quarterback through the draft, he was going to pop off. I'm going to read you some stats real quick on him. 26% target share, 48% air yard share, 32% receiving yardage share, 42% receiving TD share. He has been an absolute beast when Stroud has been playing now as his quarterback. And that's Nico Collins. Let's go. I had it right in my head. I was like, are you going to let me guess? That Oh, I, I should have 5,300. Tell me about Nico. Nico is... Killing it on the metrics, if you want to go to the nerd stats, which are always great to use as a reference, right? But there's also so much other stuff that goes in on a weekly basis, weather, team, opponent, stadium, home, away, who's playing, who's not playing, et cetera. But this is a guy who has proven himself to be a wide receiver that is dependable. He has a quarterback who's going to need to throw game script, in my opinion, against the Jaguars. He's a big body wide receiver that you can always target even when he's not open and when you need to go for that that first down on a, on a stop route for 10 yards and just throw it up to him and hope that, you know, on a third and nine, he's going to come up with it over the defender. They do that. So this is a guy who can win on routes, size, game script, throwing. CJ's a huge upgrade from Mills, and I think he's going to continue to produce. Do I think he gets in the end zone this week? I, I don't know. It's hard to say Jaguars have a great defense, but – if I had to get bet on a guy to maybe have a, another pop-off week, like I said, you know, sometimes the guys that you keep pounding, they don't have those weeks and they do. Does he continue to have these great weeks? I think he has the opportunity to keep having these great weeks. So for his price, I think it's worth the squeeze. What do you think? So you're pointing out all those great, what do you call nerd stats, like percentages of routes run and target share and all those things. Stroud is also throwing the ball like 45 times a game. So it's not even like you look at Kyle Pitts or Drake London and they have large target shares too, but Desmond Ritter threw 18 times in the first game. Like what, what can we do with that? A large target share doesn't do do you anything when it's 18 throws in the game. Uh, when you look at a guy like Nico, and this is why I completely agree, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, and he's just has so much volume coming his way. A large target share of a large volume throwing offense. So that's, I think, a great option. Let's go a few names even cheaper than him. Josh Reynolds, if Amon Ra is out, and we know Amon Ra is dealing with turf toe, we'll see if he ends up playing this week. If Reynolds is the number one for golf, and they're also missing Montgomery, like, and they're down a lot of pieces, He's going to get very well involved at home with Goff against the Atlanta Falcons. The one guy I want to fade heavily is, especially in conjunction with playing Justin Jefferson, I am fading Jordan Addison this week. Uh, even though he's had deep plays and awesome you know, moments, his snap count is still way less than KJ Osborne's. So there will become a time where it flips, but this is not the week where I want to spend up on obtaining Jordan Addison when he's coming off two good games and probably cost a little bit more. It's not reflective of his true role in the offense. And then the rookie that I actually do want this week is Zay Flowers. Uh, the, the, the Colts suck against wide receivers. They rank 31st through the first two weeks. We just saw Nico Collins destroy them. Now it's Zay Flowers' turn. Uh, Lamar at home, probably going to look into can build off the two and zero start. It would be pretty catastrophic if the Baltimore Ravens lost this. And if they win, they could kind of take a stranglehold on their division because everyone else has a loss already. And Burrow might not even be playing for Cincinnati and Chubb is out for, uh, the Browns and the Steelers looked so promising, but I think Deontay is out and George Pickens, I mean, uh, Kenny Pickett seems to like not bring the heat that everyone thought he was going to this season. So for those reasons, I think the Ravens are in an excellent position. I teased them down from their seven and a half to one and a half uh, in conjunction with the, I think it was with the Buffalo Bills, six and a half down to 0.5. So that was the teaser that I put in. There's plenty of great teaser legs for this week, but the real one to talk about is the Baltimore Ravens and the guy who's going to... Uh, benefit most from it is this guy zay (laughs) (laughs) um so uh who do you who do you like as for a value option wide receiver kind of looking towards the bottom did i name your guy or do you have any others you want to throw out no i do love zay uh again 
I gave you the running back as Gus Edwards. So I do think when they get down to the red zone that he has a higher percentage of scoring a touchdown. But that, that being said, Zay has impressed the hell out of me throughout the season. Can I interrupt you? Yeah, please tell me what. To that point, you don't want to play Gus and Zay if you're in a GPP exactly. tournament. If you are in a cash game lineup, it's fine. If you're playing into the fact that you think the Ravens are going to smack the the Colts and, and it's going to you know lead to some good opportunity for various parts of their offense, and you just want bites of the apple, fine. If you're going for that top tier, top 5%, top 1% lineup and trying to hit big, you want one of those pieces. You don't want to target a person in the run game and the pass game in the same offense and for that reason you would hope Zay gets all the big plays or Gus gets all the big plays so I think they're great both options but they just don't work together 100% and I'm glad you said that because you know once we name some other players here you'll see that some of the the teams that I have are the same players and obviously you you take which one you want to believe in and whichever one I think is best and hey it's it's not an exact science you hope for the best but yeah definitely uh, be weary of, of that combination but when it comes to a low wide receiver, I actually have a rookie I like too, and I'm going back to that game that I think is going to be high scoring, and I think Quinton Johnson gets into the end zone this week. I think Another rookie. Another rookie. We're going to stick with the rookie theme on the short, and, and, and it really comes back to the fact that, you know, the Vikings' defense might try and just shut down the two big outside options. Just because that that might be the game plan they're going with. It might not be. They might say, hey, we're going to play, uh, you know, bend or break defense. Or they might go say, hey, we're taking Keenan Allen out of the game. We don't know. But Quentin Johnson, they, they drafted him high for a reason. They get into the red zone often. I could see him easily getting a red zone target, if not two. Um, for the price he's at, do I see him getting like an 80-yard, two-touchdown game? No. But, you know, if he's your fourth wide receiver and he gets 30 yards and two touchdowns, all of a sudden, boom, you know, that's uh, – that's um, a big boom. So I, I don't know. In terms of rookies, I think that those might be the two best options with someone else, but it wasn't really a rookie question. It was just low value. What do you think about Quentin? I think, yeah, if you're playing Herbert, it makes for a phenomenal tournament stack. That's that's where you do it. Like, pretty easy to fit that in and make sense of that. Let's go over to the tight end position. Um, Kelsey at the top. So when I do these on my own, when I normally do the Tuesday show and talk tight ends on my own, I always get to this point where I'm talking all the elite options on the first episode. And then I get over the tight end position and I go, I talk about Travis Kelsey and I pretty much say every week, there's nothing wrong that you could say about Travis Kelsey. He makes for a great option this week. He's home in Arrowhead against the Chicago Bears. Like what a joke. If you're playing Mahomes like I am, then the stack is obvious and clear as day. Just like we said about quarterbacks where they have such a leg up on the rest of their competition. Travis Kelsey scored 100 more fantasy points last season than the number two tight end. The difference between Kelsey and number two was more than the difference between number two and 22 at the position. So Kelsey is a cheat code. He is a wide receiver who plays tight end. He is a high volume wide receiver who plays tight end. So I think Kelsey is obvious this week. When I'm looking at any other high spend options, Hawkinson and Andrews both fit the idea of what I'm looking for, looking to back those teams in those situations. I think they both have really good spots. And I honestly think I just said it about Zay Flowers and you're not going to play both of them. But Mark Andrews is a great option at 6,000. You wouldn't play Zay with Andrews. You wouldn't play Gus with Andrews, but you're going to play one of these Ravens because at $6,000, Mark Andrews seems too cheap. No, I mean, it's, you're 100% right. And and those three guys really are in a tier of their own when it comes to tight end, right? There's a reason why there's a premium price on them because they have now for the last three weeks into the season, plus all of last year and maybe like half a year before that produced over everybody in the NFL comparatively. But my guy, if I was going to spend on out of those three this week, just because there is a little bit of a discount, is Hawkinson. And again, this goes back to why I gave you JJ. If you're not going to go JJ, go Hawkinson. Really depends on your flavor on other positions that you like. You know, if you want to spend on wide receiver JJ, etc. So no, I, I'm sticking with the theme of that game going over. And and again, it's it's a little bit scary because all the sharks and everyone in the world thinks it's going to go. High scoring, but it's it's just such a low-key game at 4 o'clock in a dome on a Sunday. You know, if it was a Monday night game, I'd be a little bit more nervous. But I, I think that if you can pick the right person in that game, 
um, you're, you're going to score big, whether it's Kirk Hawkinson stack or a Kirk JJ stack. 65% of the money on the over in that game. Yeah, it is the clear side. Also 66% of the bet. So it is sharp and public at the same time. Heavy money on the over in that game. Uh, if we're looking at value tight ends, there's one name that sits sticks very out to me. And then there's a few names that the optimizers are playing that I want to mention. The name that sticks out to me is Sam Laporta, especially if I want to revisit the if Amon Ra is out then Laporta becomes clear as day, cash start, uh, at home in the Dome against the Falcons. He has clearly been running all the routes in the tight end for the system. He's only $4,000. He has, what, back-to-back weeks, back-to-back weeks with five receptions. You can't really ask for more from a value tight end, and he, his volume should go up this week in a good home matchup. So I think uh, Laporta makes for a great value tight end. I... Um... So that was not mine, but you 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 actually sold me. Like if, if I would I would go Laporta. I think as as my number one that value. My guy was going to be in Joku, who's about okay. hundred dollars more. Who I also think has a good opportunity this week. You know, Amari didn't practice again. He played last week, but he's got a groin lingering. No chub. You know, they've always kind of forgotten about how to utilize in Joku until they need to. And that kind of happened last year when he broke onto the scene and started scoring almost a touchdown every game. I think that this might be an Njoku game, but for all the reasons you mentioned, especially if Amon Ra is out, you know, I could see Laporta having his breakout game randomly in week three, just because all the circumstances are correct. And that game is going to score points. So um, Njoku and Laporta, I think would be great options in that too. You want to get sneaky as fuck with these tight ends? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, some sneaky, sneaky, sneaky tight end options here. Now, um, my fade of the week is Hunter Henry. He's been fantastic for the uh, Patriots this this year, but they're playing in a divisional road game against the home dog Jets with a great defense with the over-under at 36-and-a-half. Just too hard to play into that situation for me. So if we're going to get real sneaky, Zach Ertz seems to be an absolute target hog. And now that Trayvon Diggs is hurt, maybe a little bit more opens up for the Cardinals. The other one that I'm looking at is Taysom Hill. If all the running backs are truly hurt for the New Orleans Saints, we look at Taysom Hill's game log last week, nine rushing attempts, for 75 yards. So we know he's also going to get red zone work and we know he's probably going to get another eight rushes in this game and he's going to potentially get some receiving work. Like we cannot forget that Taysom Hill might be a running back to playing tight end this week and that's sneaky. And then the optimizers are all playing Durham Smythe. Like they are going full into the two attack of Iloa train and they're saying... Sign me up for Durham Smythe of the Miami Dolphins going against the Denver Broncos. Like, pretty crazy. He's coming off a week with three he's back-to-back games, three receptions. In week one, he had seven targets. So he is being used in this option, and he's only $2,900. Hey, I mean, if you could catch lightning in a bottle with Taysom Hill. That all feels gross. I mean, you're going you're gonna to have a good leg up on most of the competition. But right. and, and I'm gonna press this preface this tight end with I have an affinity for this tight end. And it also goes back to the throw volume. I, I still love Dalton Schultz. I, I know he hasn't produced yet this year, but if you look at his percentage on routes run and on the field, and again what you mentioned about CJ having the volume of throwing 40 times a game and game strip gonna probably produce that. If you're not going Nico and you want a really, really cheap tight end. For somebody who could randomly have 17 yards and two touchdowns, if if that like if that 17, happens, did you say 17 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah, it's <laughs> hilarious. It's a hilariously potentially true stat line. No, it, it, it's so true, and it's weird that that stuff happens like that when you're going for a low player. You know, I, especially a tight end, you want them to have that red zone. Another low tight end that I think I mentioned in the, the first week of the advantage that has similar, you know. Boom potential, Jawan Johnson. I mean, that was oh my guy. Jawan Johnson is our guy, man. So, like, but I I could see Dalton having a week here now because, you know, at the end of the day, the football coaches, they go back to the film and they need to say, hey, you know, where are we missing easy completions and easy yards? 
and it sometimes goes back to the tight end, especially when you have a tight end running that much of the percentage out of that position. I think it's only a matter of time before he has a, a boom week. And uh, hey, if you're not going to go Nico and you need a cheap tight end, why not? What do you think? One more, one more to throw your way. Uh, Jake Ferguson of the uh, yes. Cowboys. I think did he have a touchdown last week? The guy actually kind of has brick hands near the end zone where he keeps dropping touchdowns. Uh, yeah, he did have a touchdown in week two. He definitely dropped one in week one. Um, Going he, against he, he the community card, no, I, I like that, Mike. And you know what? To me, and and I remember him from Wisconsin. So I, I follow the Badgers. He he makes some impressive plays after the catch too. So like, don't sleep on him if he gets five catches to be able to break a couple, you know, after contact yards. So especially with the Cowboys' offense now, um, maybe need to put up even more points with Trayvon being out. Maybe not this week. I love that pick, and and I and someone I've been eyeing on to maybe bring on to my squad as a backup tight end. To Dalton, if he doesn't ever pop up. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go to the defense. Let's make this pretty swift because defense is pretty easy to work through. Uh, Cowboys at the top after losing Trayvon Diggs and with me going on the over for that game. Don't love it. I would like to take one second and talk about the Chiefs situation again at home and hourhead against Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the hardest quarterback in the league to block for because of the way that he moves outside the pocket. His offensive linemen, who are looking forward, don't know which direction he's moving behind them. So it really reminds me of a young Russell Wilson. I've made this point tons of times on my shows in the past. It pretty much opens for a quick five easy sacks for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. If you look at field sack numbers, he's taken by far the most sacks. That's why the uh, Bears allow like some of the most points to defenses against them. They're like really giving to the defenses, I guess you could say, and Fields, there's plenty of interceptions too. So the Chiefs are on that high spend option that I think you could look at. But then if I'm going towards the bottom of the barrel, if Watson is out and if he is suspended, if Chubb is out and if it is Dorian Thompson Robinson and you're not plugging him into that weird GPP lineup, um, the Tennessee Titans are the clearest thing in the world. Uh, I've always been a big Jets defense supporter. If they're going at home as dogs against the Patriots in that game, I think that's a good option. And just on the other end of that, I think the Patriots are a good option too. That over-under is 36 and a half. We have two struggling offenses going against each other. Uh, who do you like for defenses? And specifically, who do you like between the Jets and the Patriots in that game, which I know you'll be watching intensely? Yeah, no, I mean, listen, if you're going to bet the Jets and Patriots game, whatever I'm about to say, take with a complete grain of salt. Um, <laughs> but but I, I do think that, you know, even though Zach Wilson is very bad by every metric and that defense looked terrible last week, I think the Jets are still a good team. I think we have good players. I think we have good culture. I think that we have to bounce back against a team that we lost against uh, 14 straight now. Um, I think that we got very lucky that we're so down in the dumps right now that we get this chance to have some type of motivating factor to go against a team that we need to beat our absolute rival after losing 14 straight, especially the way we lost. If Kenny Jesmans were listening the last game last year on that punt return to end the game, I, I think the Jets bounced back and I wouldn't take them with the points, but if you're going to do some type of teaser, they're like plus two and a half and you can, do a six point teaser and get them at, you know, eight and a half. I would do that because I, I see it being a close game in the division. Um, other than that, everything I That's just called like, a Stanford Wong teaser leg. When you're a big, <laughs> able to move a line on a teaser, not only through the three, but also through the seven. They're the only types of lines that I will play through teasers. That's why I said the Baltimore Ravens presented one going the other direction from seven and a half down to one and a half. You're moving through the three, the six, and the seven. These are very valuable numbers in the NFL. Uh, this is the other one that I'm saying presents a fantastic teaser leg. It, not only, Alex, are you able to bring the Jets up to eight and a half in a home divisional dog game, you have to see how correlated that is to the total in that game. There's not going to be many points scored. So now you're asking the Patriots to cover a nine point spread in a game where there's going to be 36 total points. Like how many possible outcomes are realistic for that even to happen? Not many. So you can see how correlated and how smart a simple Jets in a teaser leg is genius. Okay, let's transition this now perfectly over to the no. Hold on, I wanted to give you what? my defenses real quick. All right, go ahead. Yeah, 
Cowboys, I agree with, even with Trayvon out, you, you got to ride with them. They're just too aggressive. And, yep. and, and, and if you go back to even last fantasy year, you were talking about Travis Kelsey cheat code. If you actually look back at the points of the separation between the Cowboys and the next team, it was like 176, depending on your scoring. It's like 176 to 140. This team just forces turnovers, gets sacks, scores touchdowns on defense. They proved it through two weeks now. Love Cowboys. Also Seahawks. I think that the Seahawks are going to be able to take advantage this week. You know, that defense and team hasn't performed as well yet. They burned me week one as the last league, as the last team in a parlay. We talked about that offline. But I really think that that's still a good team, and, and you're going to get a good defense out this week with them. Okay, let's go over to the betting world because we were just trying to hit on this. Um, we're about to kick off this Thursday night football, Giants at 49ers. I have one prop that I wanted to give out. And we start when we start doing these Thursday shows, we're always going to give a prop out for the night's game. If we have it, we will never force a bet for the sake of content. That would be dumb as fuck. I often say that on my show. These are just stupid things to do. I would never just force a bet to say, oh, come look at the thing so I could give you a prop. No, there's actually one that I do like for tonight's game. Uh, you want me to go first, or do you want to give me your prop for tonight? No, go. If you got tonight's game, let's get it in. Because if anyone's listening, they got to get it in. Go. You go first. Go. Okay. So you know I'm on the under on um, the game total at 45. This line opened at 45 at DraftKings, 42 and a half at FanDuel. I grabbed the under 45 at DraftKings. We are seeing 37% of the bets, but 50% of the money on the under. It has moved down to 43 and a half. I'm on the right side of that line, they would say. And then I correlate that into a prop angle and say, you know what I think is going to happen? And we have this comment from Mike Cools coming in saying, hit Mitchell over rushing yards before the public steam piles on. Now, that is a great prop bet, Mike. That was definitely one that I was looking at, and I'm sure you have some closing line value on it. I'm going to go in conjunction with this, and the idea that if Elijah Mitchell is getting enough carries where he's going to hit the over on his rushing prop, my answer is Brock Purdy under 20.5 completions. It is minus 125 on DraftKings. I'm okay with taking it out of that juice. It has been dropped to 19 and a half juice to the under at FanDuel. So you could grab the 20.5 under at DraftKings and say Purdy's not going to even need to complete 20 passes in this game. Hey, hard to argue, right? I mean, that's a run team. Elijah Mitchell over. I like, I, I don't know if you even saw this in our moves today, but I actually dropped a bunch player of mine and picked up Elijah Mitchell just because I'm not playing him tonight. He's just a good player to have in case. He was on the waivers. I should have, I should have grabbed him. Yeah. I was going to say, how did you not pick him up? Virgo? Jesus. <laughs> the king of the king of the waiver wire. Um, yeah, let me just tell you something. So, so my game though, that I was, wait, 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 one last thing. Yeah. For that birdie point, and I'm not a trends better. I'm not someone who says, look at the last two. Let me tell you what happened in the last two games that have it project forward the third game. But I would like to just merely point out that back-to-back weeks, the uh, uh, 49ers have 30 points scored as a team. They have 60 points on the season. In week one, uh, 19 completions. In week two, 17 completions. So even with the 49ers putting up 30 points in these in back-to-back games, and scoring a lot, Purdy's not even getting up to this 20 number. And then I also think it's going to be an under spot where it's under 45, and they're probably not going to put up 30 tonight. And so for that reason, I think it's a clear spot to play the under on on completions. Go ahead. I mean, no. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, right? He, he doesn't need to do that tonight. And they've proven in the past that when they know they don't need to do that, they don't do that because all right. they can do is add risk. They'll run on three guys, and they'll win by 20 or 17. What's, what's Debo's over rushing prop? I'm going to look that up. Do you have any props that you want to give out, either for tonight or yeah, any of the I other mean, games? Well, first, I wanted to give out the game that I that I absolutely love, um, and that's Chargers. I love the Chargers, and I'll tie it into my prop. I, I love the Chargers and Herbert over 250. Um, wow, we're on. We are on opposite ends for that one. I'm already on the Vikings. Yeah, man. I, I think the Vikings are not as a complete team. I think that um, there is a very giant air. There's, there's a giant balloon of air that's been taken out of that team. You know, I, I have family that are Vikings fans that are tapped into the local and what's going on. 
they are not in a good place. The Chargers went through such misery last season, the way it ended. I think that they are going to come out hungrier because if they go to 0-3 after what happened last season, people's jobs are going to be gone. Like, it is not acceptable. So I will take the younger quarterback and what I think is the better roster. And the game that I have is even right now. I'm not sure what they're currently at. I took them at even. But I'll take the Chargers, and I love that game. Uh, we are certainly on opposite sides of that one. I am on the Vikings uh, plus one. It has shifted. I think it's minus one pretty much everywhere. The Debo rushing yards we are seeing come in. We have Willie Yormack agreeing with you and saying the Vikings are winning. We have Char- Mike Cool no, saying Mike, Vikings are plus Willie's 1.5 Willie's currently. Too, man. He's, got the, he's got the Vikings winning. Up, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. He's with me. Um, I want to say that we also got a comment in that said Debo's over under was thirteen point five. It's now sixteen point five at every book that I just looked at. So I'm thanks, watching. Mike, for letting us know it used to be thirteen point five. When I saw the sixteen point five, my immediate thought was, "Ooh, I don't know if I could play that." If I had seen thirteen point five, I probably would have given it out right now. So I think that's where you're, one where you're really threading the needle. I know it's only three yards, but that's a big difference in a receiver's rushing prop. If, if you believe in Debo getting three to five carry, three carries tonight, then he's going to hit either of those numbers, in my opinion. It just depends I, on how how much they want to use him if the game script. And they don't want to risk injury. You know, those are always some of the things that I worry about if it's going to be a blow up. But hey, listen, it's the NFL. You never know what's going to happen. That's why it's fun. Hey, Mike, can you comment in and let me know what you got that Elijah Mitchell over under at? And meanwhile, while we wait for him to let us know, because that line, I'll tell you what it's at now. But um, there's one other situation for this weekend that I'm eyeing closely and I want to talk about with you guys before we sign off for the today. And it is what's happening with the 26.5 Mike, it's at 30.5 right now so well fucking done four four uh four yards of clv on a backup running back rushing yards prop that's amazing that's even at the point now where you're open to like a 50 percent buyback grabbing the under 30.5 and hoping he has 27 28 29 opening a little middle and preventing a little bit of risk on the back end when you gain that much steam on a prop it doesn't seem like much but that's kind of like damn near 20% movement right there. So steamed up to 32.5 when Ayuk News came out. This is a no-brainer. Take that under 32.5, in my opinion, and do a little bit of a buyback and hope to hit a middle. The one spot that I really want to talk about here that I'm eyeing and waiting and waiting and wishing on is there's two situations that are very abnormal to betting in the NFL. And the answer is, I mean, the, the the situation is two backup quarterbacks are coming to play this week, and they're actually advantageous to their team's betting line when they are taking over for their said rookie. So one of those situations, we talked about Anthony Richardson with the rushing, and he going into Baltimore for a daunting road start where he's coming off a concussion, where he's probably not going to be running much because he's coming off the concussion, and then he's not as great as a thrower, and he has no practice time this week because he's in protocol. So the idea of Minshew actually suiting up for that game has brought some steam on the Indianapolis Colts. That's actually pretty surprising. 36% of the bets, but 59% of the money on the Colts. It's dropped from 8.5 to 8 at some spots. Um, I grabbed it when it was 7.5 in a teaser, so I got it in a nice spot there. It's probably going to come back to that original 7.5. That's a very interesting one to look at, but the one that I'm watching for is Andy Dalton taking over For Bryce Young this weekend, we mentioned the Seahawks having the best home field advantage in the NFL. Well, when you actually put Bryce Young in that situation, that is the scariest thing in the world. We have Rappaport already reporting that Bryce Young is expected to miss. That means Andy Dalton, Sandy Andy, is going to be taking over and playing for them. I actually think Dalton's probably worth plus two points for the Carolina Panthers, and it should go instead of it moved from six to six and a half. I actually think this should be closer to five and a half or five or four and a half with the Dalton news starting. And I know you're looking at me questionably. If this line moves to seven, if we get this moving to seven, which it seems like it might with still 82% of the money on the Seahawks. If this moves to seven, we got a gift from the betting gods and I will be slamming the Carolina Panthers plus seven. 
I will be also hitting the Carolina Panthers money line, and I will be. I've already been on the under. Whoa. I'm already on the under for that game at under 42 and a half. It's now at 41 and a half. If that keeps dropping and Dalton's starting, I'm also going to buy back the over and reposition myself to be riding the Carolina Panthers with a backup quarterback. Tell me how crazy or tell me how genius I am. I mean, listen, I think you're a genius, but in this sense, crazy. Because <laughs> before you got to that, you know, I was I wanted to give one last team to that Jets teaser that I did. And it was going to be the Seahawks. Like, I... Don't think that Panthers team, even with an upgraded quarterback, which I could see Dalton being, which I agree with that point. I, I do think the Seahawks still have just underperforming. They're a better team that they're going to be. And, and and what I would do, which the only part where I thought you went crazy, Mike, was you went money line. All right, you went money line seven is a pound number. I can agree with, especially okay? when the game total is going under the forty-one. Hundred percent, I can agree yeah. with that. When you said money line though. That's where you lost. That's a sprinkle. So it's a little, it's a little salt bay game, on it. Tease either way of that game if Dalton's playing. I love it. I lead Seahawks because I just I, I'm going to go with the better team and one and a half is is going to be okay with me. And right now I think it's six and a half. So if you want to do tease them with the Jets, do it now before it does get to that seven. Because Mike, I think you're right. It can easily go to seven. I much. do think it is going to get to seven. I do think you're offering very sound advice. If you think it's going to move that direction with 82 percent of the money you played in a teaser, I do think even though that I love the Carolina Panthers in this spot. The math of it, of what we've learned about NFL gambling, shows there to be value if you're moving the line from seven down and moving through the key numbers. So inherently, this line holds positive value. Uh, There's a few other potential teaser spots that you could add to that. And let me see if the Seahawks remain your favorite one to do. You could bring the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football up to a plus eight and a half against the Raiders. Or you could also bring the New Orleans Saints going in Green Bay against the Packers up to a plus seven and a half. Do you like any of those spots more than the Wong teaser leg that might be apparent if that Seahawks line moves to seven? Steelers. Steelers, I absolutely love. I would tease them up. I so think. Steelers, Jets would be your go-to teaser of the week? Steelers, Jets, and Seahawks. But hey, listen, that's for everyone to decide. But yeah, no, if I was going to do a two-team six-point teaser, Steelers and uh, Steelers and Jets. Alex, I'll give you a little gambling nugget, and then we're actually going to get out of here. Um, a two-team teaser should cost you minus 120 in the odds. If you put in a third team, do you know what odds you should receive? Uh, I think you get to about plus 225. No, the answer is plus 160. So if you are putting in a three-team teaser and they are giving you anything less than 160, do not accept it. You are not beating the value of math. Now on FanDuel, they are um, giving out teasers as being a minus 134. That's unplayable. You can only do them on DraftKings or Caesars where they're still like they should be minus 120s. And these Wong teaser legs where you're moving through these numbers hold value. If you're doing it with three legs, which I do think creates more risk but also gives you more reward, you have to get a plus 160 on the value for it to be worth it. Otherwise, just split these up into different various two-team teasers. You can even lower your exposure. You don't need to put full units on every one. You could put three-quarter units on pairing a few teams together, half units on pairing a few teams together, and have that kind of exposure still running throughout while still playing three teams in various two-team teasers. You make it more like a round-robin approach. Or if you're playing three teams, you get the plus 160. And if you're playing two teams, you get the minus 120. And that is how we will wrap up for today's show. Thank you, Alex, for joining me and breaking down the entire uh, Sunday DFS slate. I will tweet out a core four. I will tweet out some player props, and I will get out the nice graphic, which has all of my best bets for the weekend. Of course, please drop a subscribe and a comment and a like on the YouTube video. I think it's like right here. A subscribe might be right up here. I think you guys can go to my Substack and sign up for that. And I will have a new podcast feed launching in the next week or so. Like I said, it is pending approval. So we'll be on Apple Podcasts. We'll be on Spotify. And all of these YouTube live streams will eventually be on there. So if you can't join us for any future week, we'll be doing these every Thursday. But they cover the Sunday DFS slate. So you guys have plenty of time to listen to it. Thank you again. And peace out. 
Don't be the 